Hi, this is Ben Lola, Back to the Bible Canada. Today on our final message of Dr. Newfeld's series, Skillful Living, we'll walk through the seven great reasons to be wise. So let's go back to the Bible with Dr. John Newfeld as we turn in our passage to Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 to 36. There is a story of a young bank president making an appointment with his predecessor, an older man, who had been very successful. The younger man asked the older man, what are the keys to your success? And the older man said, well, two words, good decisions. And the younger man said, but how do you know which are good decisions? And the older man said, one word, experience. Well, the young man said, well, how do I get experience? And the old man said, three words, make bad decisions. Well, there's a theory out there that simply living long and making mistakes and learning from them will eventually make everyone wise. But that's not true because some of us don't learn from our mistakes. The real question is, what do we learn from our mistakes? Some of us learn to repeat them over and over again. And some of us, if we're not careful, come to the wrong conclusion about our mistakes and we don't even know it. Others don't acknowledge that they were mistakes at all. You see, simply living long and having experiences and mistakes does not necessarily make us wise. Neither does having a high IQ. Education and wealth do not make one wise. Experience, education, long life, IQ, background does not necessarily get us wisdom. If we are to learn in wisdom, we need to seek wisdom. That's the key. Wisdom, as we have described it, is skill in living. It is a skill to live life fully and to avoid those things that bring regret. And no one gets this by accident or by making mistakes. Where do we get this skill? At the very beginning of Proverbs, we were told the answer. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we must begin by learning to fear or to highly reverence our God. We must call him great and not ourselves. We must bend the knee before our Creator. And then we move to learning God's instruction and welcoming those instructions and joyfully putting them into practice. Now, this does take time, and many of you will say, well, my life is busy. I have a job, and I have a marriage, and my family, and my money, and my wealth, and my health. I've got some projects, and I've even got a ministry at church, and I don't have the time to learn and memorize God's commands about wisdom. Today, I want to give you seven reasons to take the time. I want to give you seven reasons why you should put learning to be wise on the top of your to-do list, not at the bottom. I want to give you seven reasons why you should take all the time you need to learn to be wise, even if it means that you have to leave some other things undone. Here's the first reason. Wisdom is available to all, and therefore it's available to you. You can get it. Let's read Proverbs 8, 1 to 3. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. Wisdom is personified as a woman calling aloud for people to make her their lover. But notice where the appeal is made. She makes her appeal at the crossroads of major intersections of human culture. She is at the entrance of the city where, in the ancient world, merchants would have been hawking their wares and where everyone came either to judge disputes or to meet with people or to get up on the latest gossip or just to hang out and watch people. 
Wisdom works in business, in all human interactions, in the realm of politics, wherever leadership is required in all areas of life. The point is that wisdom is not on top of the highest mountain or locked away in some Ivy League academic setting. Wisdom is intended for ordinary people. You get wisdom not by some quest for a holy grail, but you get it by responding to an appeal. All you have to do is to say yes. Someone will say, well, I'm not exceptionally wise, but you can be. Great wisdom is available to you. You can have exceptional skill in living well, in making the most out of life. Your life can be lived well. It can be exceptional. Why wouldn't you want that? You might say, well, yeah, but I'm from a family of losers. Well, perhaps you are, but wisdom is available to you as well. Get that into your head. The only thing preventing you from being wise is the unwillingness to respond to wisdom's appeal. That's reason one to seek wisdom. It's available. Now, the second, wisdom is the most precious thing you can possess. Let's read verses 4 to 11. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Here I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteousness. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare to her. Notice several things. First of all, in verse 5, notice the word prudence. O simple ones, learn prudence. You know, in the Hebrew, that word means the capacity for insight in the management of your affairs. It means the ability to plan your affairs with an end in view. It means being premeditated. It means acting with an insight into how your actions will turn out in the future. But the premeditation is for what is right and never for what is twisted and crooked. Premeditation for the good. I've noticed something when I drive my car. I sometimes see people following a car where it has its signal lights on, indicating a left-hand turn. You know what's going to happen? Perhaps that car is going to come to a full stop, depending on how the traffic they encounter is going. But sometimes the car that's following suddenly slams on its brake at the last moment as if it has never anticipated that the car ahead of them might well stop. Well, it's because the eyes of the driver in the car that's been following has not been looking down the road. They have no capacity to anticipate what's happening down the road and easily end up in an accident and might never even know why they are susceptible to accidents. They see only the immediate, never knowing another way. A lot of people live life that way. They react to the immediate. They form opinions based upon today's events. They do things because it will get the desired impact now. And then inevitably, although they can't see it, comes a cascading effect of what is, for them, unforeseen circumstances. But for the wise, it was entirely foreseeable. If only they could anticipate and see down the road, but they can't. They live in the moment, and their emotions are mastered by the moment. That's unwise. It's foolish. You see, wisdom, according to verse 11, is worth more than silver, gold, and jewels. In our language, it's worth more than a multi-million dollar lottery jackpot. That's because there is, according to our passage, nothing twisted in wisdom. 
There are no backroom deals in wisdom, no subtle distortions of the truth. Instead, wisdom is insight into the management of your affairs. It knows what decisions mean down the road. That's worth far more than money. So, two reasons to be wise. First, it's available to you if you want it. And second, it's the most precious thing that you can possess. And third, wisdom keeps us from rash decisions with bad consequences. Wisdom will protect you. Let's read verses 12 to 16. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. Notice that wisdom and prudence or insight into the management of your affairs with an eye to the future is inseparable. Now, notice that because of this, wisdom has an intense hatred of evil, especially three kinds of evil. The first kind of evil is pride and arrogance. That's because evil is based upon an attitude that refuses to submit to legitimate authority. I've been around people like this, and so have you. These are people that disregard all the rules because they regard themselves as above them. Second, the arrogant and proud then construct their own pathway. The law of God is of little concern to them. They think they control their destiny and can build a road where they like it. And third, evil flourishes through the use of perverted speech. It perverts order. It leads to unethical behavior. Wicked people use things like slander of others to destroy them so that they can get their own way. Now, the words, I hate, indicate not only that wise men and women stay away from arrogant slanderers who make their own pathways, but that wise people deliberately reject such a pathway themselves and refuse alliances with evil people. Look again at the first line at verse 13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. See, when you fear God, you'll spare no effort to kill the self-directed life in yourself. You come to God asking Him to make you humble, to smash your pride. You begin like Jesus to delight in washing the feet of others. For as Paul said, to regard others above yourself. More when we come back. So far today, we've begun to discover why it's so necessary for us to make our number one goal the search for wisdom. Living wisely according to God's standards is not just a good idea, but in fact something that all of God's people are called toward. It has ramifications for the here and now and for eternity. Stay with us after the break as Dr. Neufeld continues to walk us through more reasons for being wise in our conclusion of this series. When's the last time you heard a compelling message about biblical wisdom? Well, we live in a culture that prizes the pursuit of happiness, but there seems to be less focus on how to live wisely. All Christians must make an effort to pursue God's wisdom, but how? Well, we've learned so much about the subject in Dr. Newfeld's series on Proverbs called Skillful Living. Over one week, we've looked at a few major themes running throughout the book, like how to rely on God and how to overcome sexual sin. This series is available on CD as our free gift to you, so be sure to ask for yours this month. 
Call us at 1-800-663-2425 or send us an email to info at backtothebible.ca. Now let's go back to the Bible with Dr. John Newfeld. If you can't see up the road, if you can't anticipate the outcome of your actions, you'll never shun the sins of arrogance, the self-directed life, and using your tongue to slander others to get what you want. And as a result of your pride, endless conflict comes to you. Proverbs 16 verse 25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Wisdom keeps us from the way of death, from the pathway that so many wicked people go. While the evil man or woman create their own path, the wise man or woman chooses the path of discretion, the pathway that keeps the long-term, even the eternal perspective in mind. So let's review. Remember, we're telling ourselves why we want to make the effort to learn wisdom. First, it's available to all. Second, it's exceedingly precious. Third, it keeps us from rash decisions with bad long-term consequences. Fourth, Wisdom leads to enduring wealth and success. Let's read verses 17 to 21. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Now, I know that some will dispute these verses, but before you do, make sure you understand what's being said. Notice that according to verse 18, enduring wealth is inseparably connected with possessing wisdom. To use the language of Proverbs, lady wisdom has wealth. It is hers to dispose of as she wills, and she does not withhold this wealth from her lovers. Now, if we had time to study the entire theme of wealth in Proverbs, we would see that there are times in our lives when we are put through testing and the developing of our character, and at such a time, it seems to us that wisdom and wealth have become separated. The key here is the word enduring. The Hebrew word used is a comparative term. When something is enduring, it is more excellent than something that is not. So, enduring wealth is more excellent than wealth that is not. Let me give you an example of that. In the book of James, in chapter 5, James condemns those rich people who have become that way by underpaying and cheating those who work for them. So, by their lack of sharing, they've become rich at the expense of others. And this is what the Bible says of people who have become wealthy by means of greed. I'm reading James 5, 1 to 3. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. What a horrible image. There's something called a phosphorus bomb, which explodes and sends burning phosphorus everywhere, which attaches to the skin and simply burns into it, and you can't get it off. It's horrible. That's what James describes what happens to ill-gotten wealth. But not so with enduring wealth. It's a different kind. It's connected to righteousness and justice and love. It's seen in giving and sharing and in blessing. It's altogether enduring. It's the kind of riches that is obtained through wisdom. And when we come to Proverbs 8, 22 to 31, we have a poem about the origin of wisdom. 
For just a moment now, I want to take a moment out of asking the question of why we should pursue wisdom and ask the question, just exactly what is wisdom? I know it's skill in living, but where does this skill come from? Is it the sum total of human experience? Is it time-honored traditions that we have developed? Does it come from observations of what works well? Or is there something more at play? Is it possible that wisdom is actually something that is more than learning how to make good decisions and avoid the bad ones? Let's read just a short part of this section. I'm reading verses 22 to 24. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth, and when there were no springs abounding with water. Now, we could read more of that. It's all a poem, and the language is poetic. It says that there is a fifth reason you want wisdom. It's because wisdom is bigger than human insight or opinion. Wisdom pre-exists the creation itself. Before there was anything, when there was only God, wisdom was brought into being. Therefore, wisdom exists in God and not in us. And since wisdom was already present before the world was made, wisdom ranks above the creation. It outranks creation itself, and it is close to God. Here's the sixth reason to get wisdom. The physical universe is an expression of God's wisdom, of his purpose. So let's read verse 27. When you established the heavens, I, wisdom, was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. You see, this is what the Bible teaches us about the creation. It exists for a purpose with a great end in mind. See, the greatest battle that Christians have with those who hold evolutionary theories is not the age of the earth. The great difference is that those who teach evolution argue for a purposeless creation. Not long ago, I had read a report in which some scientists were discovering that there was actually a purpose for having two nostrils rather than one. It was an interesting article, and it reminded me that all things that God has made have purpose. And the sum total of the creation itself also has purpose. It's an external expression of the wisdom of the Creator. And that's why those who gain wisdom no longer live lives that are strung together as the sum total of a purposeless life. If you have wisdom, the dots in your life will begin to connect, forming into a picture, a tapestry to the glory of God. You won't get to the end of your life and say, I have no idea what all of that was about. See, the tragedy is that there are many people who live life from moment to moment who seek to have good things and avoid bad things, but have no idea what the grand narrative of their lives means. They don't know what they're living for, and they don't know for what they would gladly sacrifice all. God's wisdom is purposeful. Suddenly, you understand what your work means, what your marriage means, why it is that you refrain from evil, what worship means. You begin to connect things together and see a grand narrative in your life leading somewhere. You see all the details of life, not like a drawer full of endless bits and pieces of nothing, but a slow and careful artistry of a God who loves you, who's painting a picture and we've been talking about why you want to make wisdom the priority of your life. We've said it's available to you if you want it. 
and it's the most precious thing you can possess. And furthermore, wisdom keeps you from rash decisions and bad consequences, and wisdom will protect you. And wisdom also is the only path that leads to enduring wealth and success. Wisdom is greater than we are, for it comes from God, and wisdom provides meaning and purpose. Finally, one more reason to make wisdom the top of our priority list. Wisdom leads to unending joy in God. Listen to verses 32 to 36. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. I've said that wisdom is skill in living, and it is. But wisdom is not, first of all, counsel on how to run your family or how to watch over your finances or how to conduct wise relationships and and how to kick bad habits and how to make good choices. Wisdom begins and ends with God. And the wisdom of God leads us to grace and tells us that the ultimate expression of God's wisdom is not in good decisions or even in the creation. The ultimate wisdom of God is in the cross, in finding grace, in becoming satisfied and intensely happy in our Creator. It's learning to be content in all things. It is what verse 35 says it is. It obtains favor with God. So why should you be wise? Wisdom will teach you who your Creator is, and it will teach you who you are. Well, John, we finish off this one-week series in Proverbs, and I'm sure there's still a lot to say in Proverbs, but are there any final words that you have relative to wisdom? Yeah, I think from Proverbs that if you look at that book, you'll find out that the first uh, 10 chapters of the book are basically an appeal to get wisdom. So it's an appeal to do everything that you can, sell what you need to, but get wisdom above all other things. And then from chapter 11 onward are the sayings of wisdom. Uh, Both sections are very important because if you just go to the sayings of wisdom, I mean, you don't understand how important these sayings actually are. So all that we've done here is to try to uh, whet the the hearer's appetite, saying, you know, this book of Proverbs ought to be a very important book in your life. You ought to read it regularly. And so get wisdom. Uh, Learn these sayings. Uh, And uh, that's all that we've said up till now. We've actually not talked about all the details of wisdom. So it's just been a short series. It's meant to whet your appetite for the course. What a great way to end this series, as we've examined seven great reasons to seek wisdom. We've been reminded that the ultimate source of wisdom is God Himself, and so pursuing it means walking closely with our Creator. The closer our walk, the more wisdom we will accumulate for life. I hope that today's message and this entire series has transformed your understanding of wisdom. May the Spirit continue to speak into each of our lives and lead us into the paths of wisdom in all situations. Join us next week as we present one of Dr. Neufeld's most popular series in preparation for the Easter season entitled Journey to the Cross. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. By now, many of you have probably heard of or received our newest Bible teaching resource, The Truth and Life magazine. 
sent to you directly every other month, our new magazine offers even more engaging Bible teaching articles featuring Dr. Newfeld and guest pastors, as well as engaging life-relevant articles from Phil Calloway of Laugh Again. Plus, receive exclusive insights and updates on all of the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada and additional features like compelling interviews, international updates, and articles that invite young and old into conversations about some of the most difficult issues of life and your journey with God. If you haven't asked for your copy of Truth and Life, wait no longer. Simply call us at 1-800-663-2425. That's 1-800-663-2425. Or go to our website at backtothebible.ca.